You're listening to the John Stapleton Podcast. All right, we got to talk about this. This is the uh, He Gets Us campaign. And if you ask me, it's the biggest, it's the Trojan horse in Christianity today. It's a product of soft evangelicalism, side B Christianity. We'll talk about that. Um, The reason why I'm talking about this is because we all watched the Super Bowl and we saw those commercials. Uh, Some of them were were funny. Um, We had a lot more funnier commercials in past years. But the most memorable commercial is the He Gets Us commercial. And it's, um, and, and so, Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Uh, what I did. I'm gonna read what they wrote on their about us page, and uh, we're gonna talk about this because there are three people that saw that commercial. There are people that um, know it's wrong. They they they've hidden the word of God in their heart, um, and, and they they know it's wrong. There are some of you that have uh, also hidden the word of God in your heart, and you don't know why it's wrong, but it rubs you the wrong way. It feels dirty, um, and then you have. Other people that are progressive Christians that are funding this, like Andy Stanley and Christine Kane and Ed Stetzer. Uh, really surprising that some of those names would be on the website. I, I really like Christine Kane. Um, at, at a time, I listened to Andy Stanley. But when you unhitch from the Old Testament, I've said it before, when you unhitch, when you when you rip your Bible apart, your theology falls apart, and and it's it's really really concerning. So here's here's what they're about. I'm I'm not going to put words in their mouth. I'm just going to read what they wrote, and uh, and we'll talk about it. It says, um, "How did the story of Jesus, um, how did the story of Jesus, the world's greatest love story, get twisted into a tool to judge, harm, and divide people?" You got to understand, Jesus came to do that. Jesus says in Matthew 10, "I came." Not to bring peace, but division, to, 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 to put family members against each other, right? As, as some people believe in Jesus and other family members do not, that causes division. When, when your child wants a, a reassignment surgery and, and you don't support that because you follow Jesus, that's going to cause division, Jesus also says in Matthew 7, 1, judge not lest you be judged. A lot of you know that one, but do you also know John 7, 24, where Jesus says, judge with right judgment or John 5, 31, I came to bring judgment and my judgment is, is just. So you can't say Jesus never judged. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5 that we are to judge those in the church, not those in the world. I mean, the world's going to be the world. Don't be surprised when the world, you know, sleeps around and and steals from one another and and has uh, envy and malice. Like, don't be surprised when that happens. But when that's in the church, you correct that. You judge that. Not in a condemning way, but in a way that restores the, the person to the image of Christ. I'm just going to, there's a lot here. So let's just go. How do you remind people that the story of Jesus belongs to everyone? These questions are at the beating heart of he gets us. They go on to say, uh, we hope to remind everyone, including ourselves, that Jesus' teachings are a warm embrace, not, not a cold shoulder. That he didn't let the, uh, pro this or anti that opinions prohibit him from seeing the value in all people. Okay, here's a massive problem. When you are your ideology, then it looks like whenever I speak against your ideology that I'm speaking against you. 
Now, again, you can change your mind at any time. So I'm not, I don't hate anybody, but I do hate ideologies. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we actually break down strongholds. We destroy arguments and bring them into subjection under Christ. So that's actually where the spiritual warfare is. But if you're teaching, uh, oh, being nice means that you don't preach boldly and you don't speak up against this or that, uh, it's an opinion. It's No, it's what God said, and some people agree with it and some do not. Unfortunately, those who do not still call themselves Christians. They go on. Our campaign comprises humble perspectives. Humble. Let other people say that about you. When you say it about yourself, it's not humble. It's actually pride. Humble perspectives from a diverse group of Jesus fans. I don't want to hear from Jesus fans. I want to hear from his followers. Fans of Jesus, we have too many of those. That's the problem. You cannot be a fan of Jesus. You have to be a follower of Jesus. If you're a fan of Jesus, you're going to get some things right and some things wrong. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're striving. You're striving to get everything right. That's what you're doing. Let's not subject Jesus to the court of public opinion. Come on. With a variety of faith journeys and lived experiences bound by common desire to rediscover and share the compelling story of Jesus in a new way. The gospel doesn't change. Maybe people need to return to the message they heard. I don't know why we need to portray this in a new way. What new way? How are you doing this? What, I mean, just, that's, that's pretty telling. It's, it's pretty much like an omen. Um, we will all make mistakes like anyone with a public message or who sets out to share an idea. We won't always get it right. Expect us to be human. Listen, I get it. But when it comes to the gospel that you grew up with, that you kept reading in the Bible, that you faithfully heard under, um, that you heard under faithful Bible teaching, The gospel is something that you should know by now, and you shouldn't be getting it wrong. Lives are at stake. Eternity is at stake. Yes, I mean to be dramatic. The campaign exists to remind us of the example that Jesus set while inviting all of us to explore his teachings so we can all follow his example of confounding unconditional love because he gets us, all of us. And the thing is, Jesus does love all of us, But not everybody loves Jesus. They go on to admit that they have an agenda. They have an agenda. And they they just keep asking questions, like the progressive, like the emerging church. They just keep asking questions. How did the story of a man who taught and practiced unconditional love become associated with hatred and oppression for so many people? Listen, people who don't understand the gospel have muddied the gospel. Like people say all the time, oh, the Bible supports slavery. Well, actually, the Bible says it's a sin in First First Timothy chapter one. This is what happens when you don't read all the verses. You you make a lie out of what God said. Really, oppression. The gospel is not oppression. Jesus says, "You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." Jesus sets people free. But people who are determined to live however they want find any authority as oppressive. So
So what we're really dealing with here is authority. People just have problems with authority. How did this man's story become associated with hatred and oppression for so many people? I read that. Um, oh, and by the way, I think it's interesting, too. Do you know that two-thirds of the um, alphabet community, I'll just call them because I don't want to get all the num- uh, letters wrong, They two-thirds of them grew up in church. Two-thirds of them. So they, they know what we believe. They, they've heard it before, and they said, that's not for me, and they walked away. This is like when Jesus tells the parable of the sower and he says one out of four people will endure, which means three out of four people will get offended and leave. And, you know, listen, very few people just stay neutral. Those who leave are activated against the faith. I've been saying that on repeat on this podcast. They go on to say, the more ideologically defensive we become, the more we are willing to sacrifice things like kindness, patience, and respect, and dignity of others for the sake of victory. Yeah, we care about victory. Jesus says whoever is victorious will get the crown of life. Victory is keeping your faith. Victory is staying faithful. Victory is not letting woke people change the gospel. And, you know, this thinking, it's a product of soft evangelicalism. What I mean by soft evangelicalism, it's the kind of preaching, it's the kind of Christian subculture that is not confrontational at all. It doesn't stand up for anything, not even the gospel. I'm not saying be uh, a contentious person, but you do need a fight at times. When, when the fight comes to your front door, you've got to guard what is yours. You've got to protect it. But in the, in the name of compassion and kindness, we don't do anything. Listen, you don't even know the definition of, the, uh, of kindness. Kindness is consideration. It's being considerate. It's saying what needs to be said and doing what needs to be done in the right circumstances because you can read the room and you're discerning. Kindness is not agreeableness. It's not, it's not being nice. I've said this before. Kind is not nice. Kind is, I want to consider you, and I want to do what's best, even if you don't understand it. Kind, uh, niceness is, I want to be agreeable, so I'm not going to step on any toes. God forbid I disagree with anybody, or offend anybody, or step on people's toes because, you know, I have a different viewpoint, and I'm automatically wrong because they have a different viewpoint. That's weak. That's weak. And it's also a product of side B Christianity. Side B Christianity, uh, let me just define it for a moment. It's, 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 it's a group of Christians that, that identify themselves as gay uh, or part of that community instead of being in Christ. I know it's a bit of an over, overstatement. Technically, they are in Christ because they, they call themselves Christians. Um, uh, th- that's, that would probably be their assessment. But let me just ask you. I don't mean to be judgmental, but I am judging. If you are in Christ, every identity, every other thing you could identify yourself by doesn't matter. It's a second point. And something shouldn't even be considered. Like, the Bible calls this way of life shameful. So, if you are claiming the name of Christ, why keep calling yourself... Why why adopt that viewpoint that's shameful? Why adopt that perspective that's shameful? Why adopt that identity that's shameful when Jesus died to give you a new identity? You, you are the child of God. You are not that thing that you struggle with. 
You are the child of God. But side B was like, well, I'm, I'm a gay Christian. No such thing. You may have attractions to the same sex, but you are a Christian. You are in Christ. And you are not what you are attracted to. You're not. It may help describe you, but it's not who you are. This is a Trojan horse. They go on. They say, from politics to sexuality and religion, so many of us feel like our values, beliefs, and identities are under attack by the ideological others around us. That's because they are. When you have a group of people that are in government and they're in education and they're in politics, uh, I said politics already, uh, and, and, and they are trying to um, stifle you, they're trying to keep you from uh, um, advancing as a movement, they mock your beliefs, yeah, uh, those other people are enemies. And Jesus gives us the category of enemies when he says, love your enemies. Just because someone's my enemy doesn't mean that I automatically despise them. It means that they're my enemy, but I'm supposed to love them anyway. These are biblical categories, people. These are biblical categories. They go on and they say, uh, Many have relegated Jesus from the world's greatest love story to just another tactic used to intensify our deep cultural divisions. Again, Jesus came to bring division. The only reason why there's division is because people are rebellious and they don't submit to his lordship and they've left his lordship long time ago. I'm not the one being divisive. You ignore the fact that the gospel, it doesn't just bring us together, but it transforms us. And whenever you have a, a somebody in any group that says, you know, I like you guys, I want to keep hanging out with you guys, you guys are awesome, I'm just not willing to do, you know, what this group is about. Like, if you're a part of a gym, if you're part of a, a fitness group, and you just want to be a lazy bum on the couch and you don't want to exercise, you have no right being part of that group. You forfeit yourself out of that group because that what that group is about is about health and fitness and wellness, and you are self-destructing on the couch with your potatoes and your Netflix. So, I, I yeah, you, there are conditions. I, when I say unconditional love, I just want to ask them, what do they mean by that? Because God's love actually has conditions. The unconditional part is he died for the world, the un, but, but there are conditions. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. If you call upon his name and, and confess with your heart, believe that he rose from the dead, you'll be saved. Right Or Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would serve God must believe that he exists and he rewards all those who what? Believe in him, who serve him, who please him. There are conditions. And those conditions, they flow out of who you are. So let me just make the gospel very clear in case you don't know. Jesus saved us from ourselves. Jesus saved us from the wrath of God. Jesus saved us from sin so that we can be restored to humanity before sin entered the world. We can be restored to ourselves. We can be restored to God. We can be rest <clears throat> restored to one another because that, that sickness of the heart is gone. It's been removed. That's what Jesus came to do. 
But there are some people that say, no, 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 no. The gospel is I get Jesus accepts me the way I am and I get to stay the way I am. And there's no such thing as sickness at all. In fact, it was just a good example. Hey, wash feet, everybody. It's a very weird commercial. Listen, most people who watch that commercial mocked it because non-Christians, they're, they're not going to know what that means. Oh, wash feet. Most people are like, hey, um, do these people have foot fetishes? These fake people, these fake AI, um, AI people, do they have foot fetishes? It was very, very weird. And, and so if you go back and you read John 13, Jesus did give us an example. Us. He didn't give the world the example. He gave us the example. And the world looks at us and our example. But, but it doesn't work if you say, hey, just love people. Just wash everybody's feet, Christians and non-Christians. I mean, they'll point out that Judas betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and Jesus washed his feet anyway. Again, Jesus is, Judas doesn't represent the world. He represents apostate Christians before they leave the church. And Jesus is patient with everybody. Jesus loves everybody. Jesus will serve everybody. Jesus is patient with the doubting. Jesus restores those that failed like Peter. There is lots of grace in the Christian faith. But you know what there's no room for? There's no room for Christians and non-Christians being in the same space, acting like we say we serve the same Lord when we don't. It's actually dangerous to let evil people that close to you. Like, you wouldn't let just anybody in your house, especially if you love your wife and kids. It's the same thing here. They go on to say, throughout our shared history, Jesus has represented the ultimate good that humankind is capable of aspiring to. But more importantly, he showed us the Father. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. His ultimate goal was showing us who the Father is was. They go on to say, many of us simply cannot reconcile the idea that uh, a person, um, the person of Jesus, with the way culture experiences religion today. And they mention hypocrisy, discrimination, church, and church scandals. But that's everywhere. Maybe people don't experience religion the way they, do, they used to because everybody's anti-authoritarian, they're rebellious, and they hate anything that's organized. They hate government, they hate structure, they hate authority. So yes, they would hate the church. The church is the only person, people. The, the the church is the only group telling people how to live. The church is the only group that says no. That's shameful. That's unacceptable. The church is the only group that does that. The Bible is the only book that does that in Western civilization, and and people are chipping away at what's left, but they won't. They won't win. Because Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I will build my church. Jesus says. They go on to say, our agenda is to rediscover the love of Jesus, Christians and non-Christians and everybody in between, all of us. Listen, why do Christians need to re-experience the love of God when we're already loved? We are already loved by God, people. 1 John 3 says, oh, what love the Father has shown to us that we, have, that we are the children of God. In fact, that is what we are. We are already loved by God. God can't love us anymore, or, and he won't love us any less. We already have the favor of God. Christians don't need to rediscover anything about the love of God. Not if they've already experienced it. And listen, 
This is a very subversive movement. There is all sorts of uh, AI imagery in the commercial, and um, and one of them shows a woman outside a family clinic, a family planning clinic, and there are some protesters in the background with signs. And if you flip the the if you flip the the picture upside down, one of the signs says "Save the unborn." Oh, so apparently people who are pro-life are Pharisees. Those judgmental, mean Pharisees. I can't believe they would care about life. They're so hateful. We should wash the feet of the, the murderers and the people who are doing those murders. That's what we should be doing. No, we should be calling them to repentance. Those people don't have to change anything. This is a Trojan horse in evangelicalism under the name of kindness and compassion and mercy, and it's sick. God hates this. I hate this. And if you're filled with the Spirit, you hate this. This is a lie. And as I may have said before, I can't believe it's it's headed up by, you know, well, I can believe it actually, but it's headed up by Andy Stanley Christine Kane. These are people that I, I used to like and, and listen to. Ed Stetzer. What happened to us, guys? I know. The world puts us puts pressure on us to change. Change your message. Change your group. Change your convictions. Let us in. No, you have everything else. You have Disney. You have the government. You have education. You have entertainment. You cannot have the church. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And perhaps the biggest issue with he gets us is it, it, it proof texts the life of Jesus and it makes it, it makes him look like one of us. Oh, well, you know, Jesus was a refugee too. So let all the immigrants come in, all the illegal immigrants, not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Again, he gets us. We need to get God. We are not the center of anything. And I would advise you Christians not to make a golden calf out of this. This is evil. And God will torch this. God doesn't stand for lies and deception in the name of truth. That's one of the worst things you can do with your speech, with your mouth. So anyway, those are just some thoughts I had about this campaign. I originally didn't plan this video, but I, I was just thinking about it and I, I couldn't shake it. So, And I noticed everybody uh, was talking about it, so I figure i throw my hat in the ring. God bless and I'll see you next time.